Hello and welcome to the Gen Up podcast. I'm Jenny Tomei. I'm a qualified nutritional therapist, eating disorder coach and personal trainer. In this new podcast series, I'll be giving you advice on topics surrounding eating disorders and disordered eating. I will also be having various guests on the podcast who will kindly be sharing their own recovery stories from their eating disorder. You want to ask me anything, you can find me at Asking Up on Facebook and on Instagram. Today we have Katie Good on the show. So at the age of 19, Katie started running and her training where she quickly improved and had the opportunity to go to America on a running scholarship for two years. But unfortunately, was struggling with an eating disorder throughout, and she was very underweight. Unfortunately, Katie had multiple stress fractures due to a heavy training schedule. And when she came back, she had to quit her running career. The next few years, she focused on her recovery and saw her running competitive days you know, were over. However, during lockdown, she got back into the running, which gave her some structure. And in 2020, she got a running coach and has managed to get back into competitive running in a healthy way. Katie is passionate about showing people that your body doesn't need to look a certain way to thrive and to run well. As long as you're happy and healthy, you can achieve your goals at a competitive level. Hi, Katie, and welcome to the Gen Up podcast. Thank you so much for coming on. <laughs> Thank you for having me. <laughs> no, it's a pleasure. So what um, exactly, what eating disorder did you have and why do you think running may have triggered it? So from the age of 19, I had or developed anorexia, but I was in denial for about two years. I was only diagnosed um, when I was about 21. Um, but at the time when I developed the eating disorder, I had only just started running. So I think although running didn't cause it because then I was in this competitive running world where, um, you know, the, the body type, the, the natural body type isn't what society would perceive as, as normal. Mm. So I think it didn't necessarily cause it, but it just made it very difficult then to recover whilst I was in the competitive running world because I was comparing myself to I think other runners who had a similar body type which for me wasn't a healthy body type it wasn't a healthy mindset to have um, and because I started running at the same time that I developed an eating disorder they then became inextricably linked to the point where I couldn't differentiate between the two of them so that then made I think recovery delayed I was only really able to recover when I wasn't able to run because of the injuries that were caused by the eating disorder okay okay it's funny that you said like you know with the comparing and looking at other runners um because I think that I used to do that and I know a lot of other people do that as well there's this kind of you know, stereotype around having to look like you know sort of very very skinny um to be a runner or to be fast like lighter is light if you're lighter you're faster that kind of concept yeah exactly but I think this it's so much more complex than that I mean there are obviously Mm -hmm. runners who are naturally built that way and I think the problem for me is I'm not naturally built that way you know it's it's not to say that every runner has to look like me it's just there can be lots of shapes and sizes that run Mm -hmm. and run well Um, which I didn't appreciate at the time I just thought well this is my body type 
it had changed quite drastically as I started running. I mean, before I was a hockey player, I was built the same way that I am now. You know, I'm strong. I'm not skinny, but I'm healthy. And I think Mm. I try to force myself, force myself to look a certain way because I thought that's what a runner should look like. Okay. Uh, Which obviously meant then because when I was in the running world it was very difficult to compare myself to others because I just thought well I want to run fast wrongly yeah. and falsely thought I had to look a certain way in order to do that okay okay yeah and it's sort of you know saying that you know getting the message out there like we're talking about lately you don't need to look a certain way in order to run fast and we'll get into that later mm-hmm. and you know and we are we do have different body types and we're not all the same and that's I can't always I know I stress about that so much that no you know we're all very different we all have different body types and and that's okay yeah exactly I think it's just so important to celebrate that and that's not to say that your body can't look you know very lean if that's your natural body type but it's just mm. accepting that everyone does have a different body type and and they can perform and they can be happy and healthy as, yeah. as long as it's the right body type for them yeah definitely um so how how did you seek out help you know um for the anorexia and what helped you know what prompted you to to do so so, I mean, for the first few years, as I said, I was in complete denial. I think running meant it, it became very easy to disguise the fact I had an eating disorder because I could just say, well, I'm running more. I've, you know, I've got into yeah. this new sport. It's, it's normal to be like this. Mm. And if someone tried to challenge me, I just would completely deny it. Um, I think the first time I, I got help was partly because of a performance issue I felt like I wasn't running as well as I wanted to um, and I was encouraged to see a sports doctor who I think um, helped me realize there was potentially an issue and I was also part of a study a master study where um, they tested your body fat um, and they also had a DEXA scan to see your bone density Um, and at that point I was completely ignorant to that side of the equation I just I knew deep down that I I had an issue with eating but I wasn't quite ready to accept it um but obviously objectively when I saw the results of the DEXA scan and my body fat um and the fact that I hadn't had a period for a long time I think that then triggered the first type of help so I was then referred to an outpatient um eating disorder clinic in Manchester where I had um therapy there but to be perfectly honest I I was still going through the motions I think when you're in that mindset, when you're not fully ready to recover, you can have all the help you can get. You know, you can have the best dietitians and therapists, but ultimately you have to be ready to recover, um, which I don't think I was until another few years later. So probably about four or five years after I developed an eating disorder. Okay. Um, I got to a point where I just I'd had I think I just had enough I, there wasn't a you know a defining moment I I developed um several different stress fractures which meant that my running had to come to an end which was obviously caused by my eating disorder mm-hmm. and I think at that point I just thought I don't want to live my life like this anymore you know I'd previously I'd loved food it had been a huge part of my life I just felt like I'd got to I think a point where I just I didn't want to live my life in that way so I think then 
I then got therapy again. But to be honest, I think it was partly just accepting I had an issue and then trying to live my life in a way where I didn't have an eating disorder. So I slowly, you know, became a little bit more social. I wasn't running anymore, which was key. So, you know, I naturally put on put on weight as I was eating more and exercising less and just surrounded myself with my own family and friends who helped me. So I wouldn't necessarily think, say that the professional help I had was the key reason why I recovered. I think I was just at a point where I thought I don't want to live my life like this anymore. Yeah. So, so that what did recovery look like for you being able to obviously nourish and look after your body basically? Yeah, exactly. It was just to get my life back. I think for so long, all I knew was an eating disorder and running. And then running was taken away from me because of my injuries. I just couldn't, I couldn't run. And so I then kind of threw everything into my career and qualifying to be a solicitor um, and was able to thrive in that because I was fueling my body properly. Um, I was able to, you know, see friends, friends that I think that I probably neglected because I had just been in this running bubble. All of my school friends were based in London. And for me, a a big change, I I lived in Manchester for uni and I'd associated Manchester with running. And then I got a job in London and that was a big fresh new start for me because I was able to identify myself as someone other than just being a runner you know at work I was just Katie the trainee solicitor and then the solicitor with my friends I was just me I wasn't you know they didn't know me as being a runner or looking the way that I looked they just saw me as who I was which was so important but I think recovery when I think about it it's just feeling like freedom you know you don't you're not tied to a a routine or a structure of what you can eat and when you can eat or do I have to exercise it was just living my life in a way that I had done before I developed this eating disorder yeah and always say you know freedom is not a struggle either (laughs) exactly exactly and it yeah looking back on that time it just it felt like this chaotic storm of you know Mm not necessarily mood swings but just feeling on edge the whole time and having my life just completely evolve around food and and running Mm. Um, and now you know food is something that I enjoy it's a positive part of my life and as is running it doesn't form the center of my you know existence in life it's just a very small part of it um no that's really great because I see a lot of, you know, young people who do suffer, you know, with eating disorders and then recovery and they want to go back into exercise. But it's it's like fixing the relationship with food first, then the exercise come. I can't stress that enough because I did it the wrong way around. My, yeah. You know, I went full blown, like after therapy, went into exercise, you know, and my the, my, my relationship <laughs> with food still wasn't right. Yeah. So, so it's so important, isn't it, to get the relationship right with the food and then the exercise can come. Exactly. And I think I was, yeah. I wouldn't say it at the time, but looking back, I think I was fortunate in a way that I had the injuries when I did because I didn't have a choice. I couldn't exercise. So mm. I had to fix my relationship with food first. And then when I was able to do that, I then wanted, I mean, I've always been a very active person. I wanted to do sport, but it had to fit in with this new lifestyle of enjoying food for what it is and it being a pleasure and not something that's you know anxiety inducing every day 
Yeah. And and what's what sort of challenges did you face like obviously during your recovery, you know, with, with finding that food freedom? As you know, it's it's not easy, you know. No, and I think it's you know, it's easy to look back on and you blissfully kind of go past the fact this was a big chunk of time, this was a few years, and it was mm. it was really difficult. I think the hardest part of recovery was I came back from America where I was I was running there. Um and my body changed quite quickly because I was eating more and exercising less. So from an outsider's perspective, you know, they said, oh, Katie's looking a lot healthier. She's obviously recovered, whereas actually I, I hadn't. Like physically, I looked like I recovered. But actually, those eating disorder thoughts were even worse because yeah. I was so aware that my body had changed. I felt really lost because I didn't. I couldn't cling on to this comfort blanket, which was, you know, the eating disorder in a, in a weird way. Um, and I was just expected to move on with my life. Whereas actually I still had these really negative, destructive thoughts, but I felt like I couldn't articulate it because everyone was so relieved that I was now physically healthy. Um, and it, it took a really long time to accept my new body Um because it is a big change. And like I said, your my whole identity was attached to the way that I looked mm. and my competitive running. And I didn't have either of those things. So I felt like I had to forge this new identity and figure out who I was because it had yeah. been so long since I thought about that. And part of that was, you know, obviously physically moving to London and, and kind of creating this new life here. Um, but just spending a lot of time just accepting my body and being proud of it and it has taken a very long time but I think now you know I I can stand on the start line or you know I can be in the office presenting or just be with my friends and feel confident with with my body which and I look back at photos now of you know what I looked like five six years ago and I think gosh i I'm so glad I don't look like that now, mm. aesthetically, also just obviously mentally with all of the battles that came with it. Um, but yeah, that that took a, a long time, I think, to to accept. And I think just, you know, just being really kind to myself was the one of the biggest things I could have done because I was so harsh on myself. You know, I hated the way I looked. I hated that I wasn't running. I blamed myself. It was just I was I wasn't fun to be around at all during that time because I was just yeah. so negative and um yeah it it, it definitely took a, a long time to get where I am now but it it would it takes time to it took me time to as well to accept you know that my like the changes in my body because you get so used to you're so used to looking a certain way and being a yeah. certain way and it's you know it's not going to happen overnight and I say that to young people it just takes time and acceptance and it's looking mm-hmm. at what your body can do now and celebrating that because our, our bodies get us through so much and I don't think mm-hmm. I really appreciated that I I didn't at the time I was so like well we were saying earlier that very all or nothing and I didn't yeah. really appreciate it in my body or because I put it through I put it through hell another time yeah. I didn't oh my gosh yeah <laughs> I think back just you know the training that we did in America and the amount of miles we did when I knew deep down my you know I can't blame anyone but myself I knew my body wasn't capable long term of doing what I was doing to it yeah. um, and I just now I just think I was you know I was so horrible to to myself I didn't treat it the way that it deserved and that again was another key thing that I kept telling myself was like what's 
you know, sounds silly, but positive self-talk all of the time, just saying, this is great. I've accomplished a three mile run today. Um, Whereas before I'd break myself because I hadn't run what I thought I could or the pace that Mm -hmm. I could. I was constantly comparing myself to the runner and the person that I was. And it was only, you know, taking myself out of that competitive running world and being with, you know, my family and my friends and Mm -hmm. realizing that I should be kind to myself, that I don't have to punish myself every day because I'm not, you know, running what I was running before um, and just accepting Uh, who I am now. I can relate to that. Yeah. It's um, managing the small little goals, isn't it? And looking at the ones that you do achieve versus the ones that, you know, what's the next big goal? Like what's the next big thing? Yeah, exactly. Accepting, celebrating what, what you've done then. I think another key thing was, I remember talking to, I think it was my sister and I was explaining the thought process I have in my brain about myself and what I tell myself. And she said, you know, you'd never say that to me or any of your friends. Why on earth would you say it to yourself? And I think that was true. I think, right, what would I say to my friend who had the same worry or concern and it would never be what I'm saying to myself. So why should I say it to myself? I think we're just so hard on ourselves nowadays we're just no one we need to all give each other a pat on the back and say you know you're doing a good job like I don't I think we should do that more to each other (laughs) yeah I think so and it's easy to forget I mean even now I you know I break myself if I did something wrong at work or I say the wrong thing and I just think these things happen you know you can't criticize yourself all the time it's exhausting again that comes down to things like you know the the perfectionism sort of mindset you know I can't make mistakes Mm. or you know but what I've learned is that actually making mistakes has been good because I've learned from those and then I've I've adapted from that and then and then learned from that and you know it's just also if we didn't make mistakes well we couldn't learn or develop ourselves going forward you know yeah exactly so I think that's so important to (laughs) you know a message for young people like make mistakes and it's okay to do that <laughs> yeah oh yeah definitely I've, I think that's the thing I mean someone at work said you know if you make a mistake you'll never make the same mistake again but you've learned from it and that's the you know the key thing here yeah and that it's okay to make mistakes I think I wrongly always thought oh I'm a perfectionist was like a positive quality to have so I thought I always want to be the best I can be actually it's such a negative destructive thought process to have because nothing you do will ever be good enough with a perfectionist mindset no Um, and that's a stressful that is a stressful way to live (laughs) it definitely is (laughs) it's just stressful yeah and I always say so when I notice it come up I'm like no stop that (laughs) yeah I, I read this really good I'm sure you've read it probably too or the chimp paradox oh yes oh yeah that's a great it's been key for me because I think before I would try and ignore that voice whereas now I let that perfectionist irrational voice speak and then I rationalize with it and that really helps because then I'm not ignoring it it's not getting worse I'm just you know telling it just to calm down yeah calm down yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) bring it down a notch (laughs) yeah exactly no yeah that's a great book actually that's really good um I mean going back to um the training and obviously you know with the fractures that you had and everything and the the loss of period um you know I'm always going on about to young people how you know having a regular period is so important for health mm. and I, I I didn't you know at the time I, I lost my period too and then I developed red s um yeah. syndrome you know, obviously have you heard of that yes yeah, yeah. I definitely had it yeah <laughs> 
yeah so I think the red s and the sport is obviously you know and the with with runners I, I just see it so much and I think it's really important to speak about how that can impact performance and the risks associated with osteoporosis and the lack of estrogen mm. um you know going sort of you know going for I think I'm so passionate about you know speaking about that and I mean how can we get across the armpit why is it important to have a regular period basically mm-hmm. in terms of training what would you say yeah. for that? no I completely agree I think I lost my period at 19 and didn't get it back until I was 25 okay. and at the time I had no idea what the consequences were of not having a period yeah um, I just ignorantly carried on as normal it was only well I was part of this master study, had the DEXA scan and the results were really bad. I had osteopenia and at the time the doctor said, he was a sports mm. doctor and he just said, you know, you need to reduce your mileage. This this is going to have an effect on your running. And I did reduce it to an extent, but then I went to America and we were running extremely high mileage. Again, I didn't really consider it to be an issue. I was incredibly ignorant, to be honest. And I just thought, oh, it's fine. You know, I, yeah. I haven't had fracture before it won't affect me which is completely false you know unfortunately if you don't have a period you you know and and you develop osteopenia the repercussions will occur and they did for me I was in my second year of America and I got the first of seven or eight stress fractures um, and that was the direct cause of not fueling enough which meant I didn't have a period which meant obviously then I developed weak bone osteopenia there's you know is lots of different <laughs> far more educated people that can explain it better than than I can but just from my own personal experience I know that the reason why I got those stress fractures was because I didn't understand the importance of having a regular period um and that that ruined my running career I couldn't yeah. run more than 10 15 miles a week without breaking down and it meant I had to stop I had to put on weight and I essentially stopped running until I got a period back um and now I agree with you it's so important that young athletes are aware and are educated about the issue mm. and make changes before it's too late because you can I think you know, when I had, when I saw I had osteopenia and I started getting these stress fractures, I thought, well, that's it. I, I'm, you know, I, I can't do it anymore. And it's not the case. You know, I had osteopenia, I put on weight, I got a period and now my bones are back to being completely normal. Oh, um, really good to hear. And, and I think the thing is you, you hear stories about people who, who, and they're raising awareness, which is so important, but equally, I think it's really important that younger people in particular know that they can make changes now and it, you don't you know it, you're the future isn't inevitable if you make right. the changes now then you can obviously be you know healthy and be able to run in the or you know exercise in the way that you want and that mm. was a really important message that I wanted to convey because I think it's so important I felt really despondent when I found out about what I'd done to my body and I just felt like I'm never yeah. going to be able to run at the level that I want to because I've just ruined my body yeah. but actually making a really conscious effort to put on weight and to get a regular period back I am now able to run the mileage that I that I want to with the confidence that my body is healthy my bones are 
way above you know normal because I've because I've looked after myself you know it's that's it, really it's, good to hear I'm so happy that's for you that's really great <laughs> yeah. um that's but, a, yeah. it's this really lovely positive stories I think young people need to hear that because mm. sort of in this mindset of oh my god I'm never gonna get my body back to health I've, I've completely destroyed it mm. no you can you, right. de- you definitely can it just takes patience and time and it is difficult I think you know I knew I had to put on weight I had to stop running as much and take you know reduce the stress out of my life and it worked um and did I think do- now yeah oh sorry did you do any um resistance type training at all to help with the yes so I joined when I moved to London I joined a gym where I live now and did a lot of I wasn't really running that much at all so I did a lot of strength and conditioning and absolutely loved it and I think then I've just built you know a good foundation so I'm able to now run more mileage without getting injured or niggles fingers crossed um but I'm also hyper aware of my period and making sure that I have one each month and I promised myself when I started running competitively that if I lost weight or if I didn't get a period, then I would stop running or significantly reduce it until I did. Because mm. I now recognize how important it is to have one regularly. And we're only talking about, you know, bone health. Obviously, there are so many other reasons why you should have yeah. a period. It's, it, it's no, you know, being a female is the the estrogen as well because it's important for so many things in terms of cardiovascular as well mm. um and the sort of going into like red s because i've read a little bit more into that so it's, it's really important for the cardiovascular system and obviously your, your bone health and everything and mm. it, it, hormonal imbalance you know and, and circulation and if you've got you know a really bad hormonal imbalance going on your body won't function optimally it won't mm. be optimal if there's imbalances in the hormones because having balanced hormones means you're in a state of health and your performance will be better and, and you're yeah. living proof of that. So that's great. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's part of how I came to accept my body as it is now, because I yeah. know this is my natural body type because it's one where I can function properly. Yeah. It's, you know, I have a period, I'm able to run, I'm able to live my life as I want to and that's so important if I was the way that I was I never would be able to run consistently because I would break down all the time whereas now I have the confidence to know that my body is healthy um, and it can perform well very hopefully very well (laughs) yeah no that's excellent and that's you know it's a great positive story that you know and it's amazing and I mean going you know to help going forward helping other young people listening to this how how can, do you have any tips um, to sort of suggest them how to develop that healthy relationship between food and running? If they're mm. coming out of an eating disorder and they want to get back into running, what can they do to work on that? What's the first few things that you tell someone to work on? I think, I mean, the first thing, just be, you know, be kind to yourself. Mm. I think really understand, you know, and obviously I'm not a medical expert at all. I'm not qualified, but obviously, you know, speak to nutritionists and dietitians and doctors, I think to understand physiologically how fueling your body can help your running. Um, I think a big part of it is accepting and being happy with, with who you are as a person and not feeling like you have to look a certain way to perform well because that in itself I think can create 
quite a toxic relationship between running and eating and try and deal with it separately but also appreciate if you feel well and you feel more than enough then you will perform better it's it's hopefully you know basic logic I think for me a big part of mending that was just surrounding yourself also with people who have that same positive healthy happy mindset yeah I think think that's important the problem with with running is that it can not always but I think there is a danger of having that competition and kind of destructive community in a way but around yourself with equally very happy and healthy runners which I do in in London um and for me that was a big part of it because I think yeah comparison is is one of the most destructive toxic things you can do especially within the running community because everyone is so different um no it's true. I see it so much though yeah and I, I think this is part of the reason why I wanted to get back into competitive running because I did really feel like there is a positive momentum to change this false perception about what a runner should look like mm-hmm. that I don't think existed when I was running you know 10 years ago mm-hmm. um and I just I think it's such an important me- message to share and to develop and um, especially for young people who are wanting to go into this sport it would just be such a lovely thing if if they could celebrate their body for what it is and never feel like they have to change the way they look in order to perform better um yeah yeah. and it's trying it's trying to go against what your body where your body wants to be exactly I mean go against your biology and it's it's not something you're ever going to win that's what I was not at all I mean I look I was a hockey girl I played hockey since I was seven I was strong um it meant that I was I could I could play hockey I you know it's an aggressive sport (laughs) and then I thought wrongly that you know you had to look a certain way to be a runner which is not the case at all um and I would really like to be a part of that you know as I said that wave of momentum where you know, someone can look on a start line and they can see there are different shapes and sizes and that they don't have to look a certain way. And it's not to say that people have to look like me, that's not it at all, but just find Mm. your body where you are healthy and you're happy and you're performing well. That's the body that you should be, not comparing yourself to any anyone else at all. No, that's I completely agree. And that's a lovely I think that's a lovely way to end this um, discussion and lovely uplifting story from you. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you so, so much you know, for coming on. And um, it's, it's given me a lot of hope as well, because I really want to get back into competitive running one day. So yeah. um, you've, you've certainly given me hope as well. And hopefully, you know, to a lot of young people listening to this. So thank you so much for coming on. It's been oh, great to chat with you. Me. No, it's lovely, lovely to talk about it. Thanks for having me. <laughs> No, not at all. Thank you so much, Katie. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to the Gen Up podcast. I hope you learned a lot. I've been your host, Jenny Tanay. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Ask Gen Up and on my website at genup.com. If you visit my website, you'll find lots of different resources available there. Please like, subscribe and share.